This is Exposing Washington with Walker Wildman, bringing clarity to Washington, D.C. news. We see corruption at every level in Washington. Exposing the deception plaguing our nation's capital. Not only what he told every Republican senator, but what he told the press over and over and over again was a simple lie. And helping Christians stay informed about government. This puts a bigger burden on voters to go figure out what's actually going on. This is Exposing Washington with Walker Wildman on American Family Radio. Why a tariff battle with Mexico might actually be a good thing. Welcome to Exposing Washington on American Family Radio. I'm your host, Walker Wildman. That's what we're going to talk about today, whether a tariff battle with Mexico actually might work in our favor. That's what we're going to talk about. EFR.net is the website. EFR.net is the website. Exposing Washington is the show. Walker Wildman is your host. Glad to be with you this Saturday afternoon. Much to talk about in the news, we'll talk about the tariff fight with Mexico that President Trump is is planning to wage. We're going to talk about out-of-control spending in Washington, D.C. Not a surprise there. We've talked about it before. I'm going to bring you a different angle on it today. And uh, we'll talk about a few other things uh, uh, when it comes to illegal immigration and the effect, the negative effect it is having on our country on our economy, and whether it is sustainable moving forward. The first thing I want to talk about is something called a balanced budget proposal. We do this, we as in myself, the listening audience, everyone we know for the most part has a balanced budget in their household. And if you don't keep a balanced budget, what do you do? You go into debt, and uh, debt is something that we're all too familiar with. I mean, everybody has a mortgage for the most part. Uh, Some people have car loans and things like that. But, you know, this whole idea that, uh, that we don't, as a country, we don't have to balance our budget, this is uh, uh, not a good habit, let me just say that. And so that's what we're going to talk about. <clears throat> you know, <clears throat> Rand Paul, year over year, Rand Paul puts forth these balanced budget proposals, and Congress just slaps it down. And it's one thing, you know, if, you're, if you lose your job, talking on an individual level, if you lose your job, you get demoted, you have some kind of health scare, you have to uh, uh, be unemployed. I mean, there's all these things that could go wrong. It's one thing if you can't balance your budget because you're in a crisis as a, as a and you lost your job, whatever happened. It's one thing if you can't get your, bal- your uh, budget to balance in that situation. But when it comes to, the, to our own government not being able to balance its budget... They own a printing machine. And even with the printing machine <laughs> where they can print money, how insane is that? Who, who? I want to know when in our country uh, some guys in a room sat around the table and, and raised their hand and said, who wants to create a printing machine for our money? Who, whose novel idea was that? That was a horrible idea. Not just that you can print money. I mean, we all know we have to put new money into the economy 
and then take out old money and burn it. But I'm talking about printing money without taking out any in the economy. That's what our country is doing, printing money without uh, replacing it. That's what our country is doing. That was a horrible idea. But, you know, our country, and I, I'm speaking to the choir here. I'm speaking, no, I'm speaking to myself. You know, our country has just gotten hooked on debt. We're hooked on it. And, you know, there are some trends in the right direction. You have Dave Ramsey and others who are trying to teach fiscal responsibility, which I applaud. And I'm trying to do my best to get a hold on my own finances and be wise with how our family spends our money. But, you know, this this whole idea that 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 you need a credit card, you got to have two or three card notes, your mortgage just has to take up 30 or 40 percent of your budget. You know, these things that are these things are attractive. They're touted as the way to go, the way to live. It only ends up leaving folks in a pinch, to say the least, when it comes to finances. But I'm going to get off my little rant about personal finances and get back to our country because the, the main problem with our country is, is coming from Washington, D.C. And Rand Paul put forth this balanced budget proposal. And just to put this simply, folks, this is very basic economics. A balanced budget means that you spend what you bring in. If you bring in $100, you spend $100. If you bring in $1 trillion as a government, you spend $1 trillion. And that leaves a balanced budget, a zero at the end of the balance sheet. That's what we're talking about here. I want to play clip one. This is Senator Rand Paul of Kentucky trying to be, bring some decency, civility, and sanity to Washington, D.C. Let's listen. Well, basically, we'd spend 99, 98, 99% of what we spent last year. And kind of the, the interesting thing is the budget will balance in five years with only cutting one, and now it's actually 2%, but just cutting a very little off the top. And when I present this to even liberal government advocacy groups that come to Washington wanting money, I say, look, could you live with 99% of what we gave you last year? Almost everybody says yes. And so it's so reasonable to most people in America, unless you happen to be an elected official in Washington, they're like, cut, no way, we're never going to cut any spending. Well, there you have it. That's Senator Rand Paul on Fox and Friends this past week talking about his balanced budget proposal. And what he just said there is that, you know, if, we, if, if Congress will pass the law I've written here, the legislation I've written, then after five years, our, badge, our budget will be balanced, which means what? It means that we will have to that we will stop having to borrow money to pay the bills. We will stop having to borrow money to pay the bills. And our country is in a pickle. I think that's the old saying. Our country is in a bind. We're we're between a rock and a hard place. Why? Because not only does our country, and when I say our country, our government, not only do the the how can I explain these people in Washington, D.C. that are blowing our tax dollars uh, down the tube? They're burning our tax dollars day in and day out. How can I explain them? I'm not even going to try to come up with a name. But the people in Washington, the elected representatives that we send there, they not only do they print more money to borrow and then China buys up our debt, which is a whole other problem, an entire other problem. But we have interest upon the debt. 
And so even if we balance the budget, the debt is going to continue to increase. Why? Because it's a little thing called interest. We're all familiar with that. If you've done a mortgage, you've borrowed any money, you're familiar with an interest rate. Well, so that's two problems. That the problem here is multifold. If our country balances the budget, which we need to do right now, then the next thing to tackle is the interest. Is the interest and begin to pay down on that debt. And this is possible, folks. We're not talking science fiction. We're not talking fantasy land. You know, Disneyland. We're talking reality here. These ideas, like balancing the budget, are so would be so easy to do. We're talking about cutting one to two percent from each department in the federal government. There's like twelve or thirteen federal departments. If you just cut two percent, play it safe. Let's cut three percent. In five years, you balance our federal budget, which means you stop pouring money into the deficit uh, count. Rand Paul is trying to do that. Republicans and Democrats in Washington, D.C. say, absolutely not, Rand Paul. We will not be physically responsible with uh, American taxpayers' money. Absolutely outrageous, absolutely ridiculous that the people we send to Washington to be good stewards of our tax dollars, they are they are having bonfires with our tax dollars. And I mean that just about as close to literally as I can. We are sending trillions of dollars to Washington, D.C., which makes no sense, by the way. The fact that our money's that our money goes through the D.C. filter before it comes back to the states. That's what we do. We pay these federal tax dollars. And all this money goes into Washington, D.C., to the Treasury, and what do they do? They pump it back into the states. Why? So they can hold the states hostage. That's what's going on. That's, a, that's an entire other subject. But the status quo in Washington seems to be pretty addictive. Anybody who comes to Washington with a new idea or with something smart, they get swatted down. Why? Because the lobbyists and the special interest corporations and the elites in Washington, they just love the status quo. Why? Because they're getting rich and fat off of our tax dollars. That's what's going on in Washington. That's why no one wants to balance the budget. Why? Because that means my friend over here that gave me camp campaign contributions two years ago, he funded my campaign. Well, his company is going to stop getting subsidized by the federal government. And so we have to keep the, the gravy train going, as they say. Rand Paul trying to do some good things in Washington, D.C., and all the uh, wasteful spenders in Washington, which is made up of Republicans and Democrats, they say, no, sir, Senator Paul, we will not be fiscally responsible with uh, other people's money. We will continue to blow money like nobody's business. Speaking of blowing money like nobody's business, I'm just on a big rant right now. The... Uh, the fiscal burden of illegal immigration is astounding. I'm going to read these numbers to you. You know, if, if you watch the mainstream media or you listen to the Democrats and you start talking about illegal immigration and the burden that it has on our economy, they're going to say, no, 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 stop right there. Illegal immigrants, uh, undocumented, I'm sorry, that's not politically correct. Illegal aliens, that's not politically correct. These undocumented workers in our country, they contribute tax dollars 
Uh, they pay taxes into the system. They are contributing to our economy. Boy, is that false. Boy, is that fake. That is fake news. Here's the breakdown of how much money these illegal foreign aliens, these invaders, how much they're actually paying into the tax system. The total paid in federal taxes in 2017 was $15 billion. And you're telling me, or I can hear you on the radio over the radio now going, Walker, $15 billion, that's a lot of money. Yeah, but when you're talking about a $4 trillion federal government budget, that's change. That's pennies. That's not even pennies. That, if there's such thing as less than a penny, that's what this is. $15 billion in federal taxes paid by illegal immigrants in 2017. 3.5 paid at the local and state level into the, fa- into the tax revenue into the tax uh, category. Well, so you say, so So in total, illegal immigrants in 2017 paid in about $18 billion in taxes. Billion with a B. Well, guess how much our country spent babysitting illegal immigrants? $135 billion. $135 billion. What does, what does that leave our country with? It leaves America in the red by $115 billion. So after the illegal aliens who shouldn't be here in the first place, after they pay in their, their minute $18 billion in taxes, why? Because, oh, so many million of the illegal immigrants work, and guess what they do? They don't pay taxes because they're working illegally. What dummy pays taxes if he's not supposed to be here? That would be dumb to pay taxes into a system that doesn't even know that you're here working. Tell me how that makes sense. So the the minute $18 billion paid by illegal immigrants is well overshadowed by the $135 billion our federal and state and local governments are paying in welfare, food assistance, housing, clothing, schooling, and whatever else we're having to babysit and pay for, our country is in the red from a business standpoint, $115 billion year over year. That dates back to 2017. And guess what? That number is just going up. That number is going up by the millions each year. Why? Because uh, we're taking in about a million illegal immigrants each year. And guess how many are being deported? like 5 or 10% at best. So that leaves about eight or 900,000 uh, illegal immigrants a year. Doing what? Taking American jobs. That's, and then here's another side of this. Burden on our country. Not only is the federal government and state governments and local municipalities, not only are they uh, subsidizing illegal immigration by paying for housing, food, shelter, jobs, things like that, but the illegal immigrants are taking low-wage American jobs. Taking low-wage American jobs. That's what's happening. And so we have, I don't know what the unemployment rate is. I think it usually hovers around, uh, I'll look it up, maybe 3 or 4%. But we wonder why we continue to have an unemployment rate. And I, I think, you know, I don't know what the economists say on this, and I'm not an economist, but from a common sense standpoint, I don't know why we have to 
to be okay with uh, an unemployment rate at all. I mean, of course, okay, 3.6% in in this year alone, 2019, 3.6 unemployment rate. That's from the U.S. uh, uh, government, the, the data there. But I'd like to see that down at like 1% or half a percent. You know, I don't, you know, the, the, see, this is the problem with the status quo. The economists say, well, you know, 3.6%, that's actually pretty low. And 3.6%, I mean, that's pretty status quo. But why do we have to settle with that? Why do we have to settle with a 4% unemployment rate? Why don't, we, why don't we go with a 1% unemployment rate? Why don't we go with a 1% or a half a percent unemployment rate? And I may be wrong on this. But just my instincts say that we could do that. Walker, how could we get down to a 1% unemployment rate? Well, first off, we stop having all the illegal immigrants come into our country and take our jobs. That's the first step. Then once you clean up that mess, then you start trimming down the fat in welfare. And you start telling the the able-bodied people who are getting government checks... For welfare, you tell them to get off the couch and go to work. And if you don't get off the couch and go to work, what does the Bible say? You don't eat. You don't eat. And I'll almost guarantee you, I have probably some conservatives listening right now, maybe even some fellow Christians going, Walker, that's just a little harsh. That's harsh. You're being mean. You're being mean. You just don't understand the tough life that some people have and i totally get it i totally get it some people do have a tough life they were brought into a bad situation i understand that but we all need to be encouraging a hard work ethic because if you encourage a good work ethic and you tell people who are lazy to get off the couch and go to work and earn a living then you cut your unemployment rate down but what's what are the what are the big big businesses doing in our country? Some of them are using illegal cheap labor. They're using cheap labor, and guess what that means? That means uh, your your average low uh, skilled American citizen who wants a job at the factory, who wants a job at at the fast food restaurant. He goes to apply for the job, and the company's already hired illegal immigrants to do the job for $3 an hour less. And the, what is that, what is that, what's the end result? The American citizen, the low-skilled American citizen, uh, is left without a job. And thus he files for unemployment and receives uh, welfare checks. And, you know, the term low-skilled is not an insult. It's low-skilled workers who built our country. Low-skilled is not an insult. It, that's the people who build, they're actually high-skilled in, in their job profession, but they, they, they maybe don't have a college degree. Some of them don't even have a high school degree, and uh, they earn a living uh, working with their hands, which is actually honorable because without people working with their hands, we wouldn't have a country. And so there's always a need for the so-called uh, low-skilled uh, uh, workers. But we have to cut out this illegal immigration in order that we can start to put American citizens to 
work. What is one thing that President Trump is trying to do to get a hold of this? He is talking about levying tariffs on Mexico. Why? Because Mexico is allowing hundreds of thousands each year, uh, now we're getting over a million, uh, illegal immigrants to cross right through Mexico into the U.S. And the, the, the falsehood out there is that many of the people crossing the southern border are Mexicans, are Mexican nationals. And that's not true. That's not true. I joked the other day and said that all the Mexican nationals who want to be here, they're already here because they've been crossing the last 40 years crossing our border illegally. But now we have Central and South American nationals crossing the U.S. southern border, which means they're going straight through Mexico, crossing the border illegally. Mexico is doing nothing to hinder the flow, doing nothing to stop the flow of illegal immigration. President Trump is trying to force Mexico to the negotiating table so that they can uh, stop the flow of illegal immigration of illegal immigrants. So kudos to President Trump. And I want to play clip two. Let me check the rundown. So this is clip two. This is a this is on Shepard Smith's show. This is a Fox News report about, oh, how bad the tariffs are. This is clip two. Let's listen. Yeah, Chef, this across-the-board tariff will not only impact consumers, but it could also hard-hit many corporations who lean on Mexico for production, the auto industry being one of them. Last year, cars built in Mexico accounted for 17% of Detroit automaker sales, with General Motors domestic sales alone, 22% of all cars sold were built in Mexico. The U.S. also imported $53 billion in vehicles and $32.5 billion in auto parts, all coming from Mexico the highest of any country, according to data from the Commerce Department. If the full 25% tariff were to be enforced, some experts believe the average cost of a car could rise by about $1,300. Ultimately, U.S. consumers will be the ones paying the tariffs, or at least a big chunk of it. Can, uh, companies can try to pass it along, but there is pressure to move those cost increases along down the line. They can't absorb all of them without taking big hits to their own profits. Your grocery bill could also be taking a hit as well. Mexico is the largest, largest agri agricultural supplier for the U.S. Produce like berries and asparagus could see price jumps. And avocado prices have already doubled over the last two months. And those prices could keep so soaring. Going the other way, American farmers could face retaliatory tariffs on products they send to Mexico. Things like corn, grain, pork, and dairy. Chef? Well, if you just listen to that report, which we did... So I don't know why I said that, but if you just listen to that and you're an average person out there, you would think our country is going to end. <laughs> this is horrible. Tariffs are going to bring our country down. That's what's going to end the world is levying a 5% tariff on goods coming from Mexico. But what they're not doing a report on is the $135 billion a year of our tax dollars that are going to that is going to subsidize illegal immigration. And that's why I get so frustrated. The media, even Fox News, they go, "Oh, tariffs are so bad. Tariffs are going to bring down our country. Tariffs are going to make avocado prices go up a dollar. 
tariffs are going to make us have to pay $1,300 more for our car next year, that, that the car that costs $50,000. So what's another $1,300? And we're, we're getting out a loan for it anyway. So why does it matter? I'm being a little cynical here, but you get the point. The media and the politicians, even the shameful Republicans, are going, we can't levy tariffs on Mexico. That will be the end of the American economy. That is, that is so false. So false. If we think our economy is so fragile that we can't levy a 5% tariff on Mexico, are you kidding me? And I don't know about you, but I will pay a dollar extra for some avocados if it means that we have a country in 30 years. That's basically what we're talking about. Here's the two options, folks. We can be tough on this, like President Trump's trying to do. We can try to handle this situation, be tough, take extreme measures. Or we can do nothing. We can do nothing, which it seems like the Republicans and Democrats in Washington would rather us do nothing, because that's what they do. They do nothing. The, the politicians in Washington, they sit on their hands, they do nothing, while our country is literally being destroyed by foreign invaders called illegal aliens. And so these people are invading our country, breaking all the rules. You and I are subsidizing their illegal activity. And then President Trump wants to actually fix it and the politicians in Washington go, oh, no, no, we can't do this. Oh, no, no, we better be nice to Mexico. And then the other angle of this is why on earth are we making motors, our auto parts in the U.S., and then we're shipping them to Mexico and then back to the U.S., and then we send the parts back to Mexico the third time for them to do a paint job or whatever they're doing, and then it comes back into the U.S.? You would be surprised how much that happens. And this is also bringing about the very valid concern about how much of our goods are coming from other countries. And we all know, you look on the back of your phone, assembled in China. I'm guilty of it. I got an iPhone here. Assembled in China. What does that mean? That means uh, Apple in California sends all the parts over to China and then they have the uh, Chinese citizens put our phones together to send them back. The same with about everything else. Now there are some things made in the USA, but this whole tariff battle is causing us to wake up to the fact that we're relying on foreign countries to provide some of the most basic goods and services that our country uses. Which begs the question, do we need to start becoming less reliant on foreign countries? I would say that's probably a good idea because you can't always bank on foreign countries for basic necessities. Exposing Washington American Family Radio, AFR.net's website. Check it out. We'll be back next week.
The views and opinions expressed in this broadcast may not necessarily reflect those of the American Family Association or American Family Radio.